Yes, folks, welcome back. I'm your host, Matt Leck, in for David uh, this week. Uh, we're going to have an interview for you with a guy by the name of Robert Skvarla. Robert is an assistant editor of uh, over at Diabolique Mag. I don't know why it's hard for me to pronounce that. Diabolique uh, Mag. Uh, I can uh, about different things most pertinently this new uh Church Committee 2.0, supposedly run by uh, Jim Jordan. Uh, and uh, also we get into some JFK assassination stuff. Uh, a little bit short of a show. I will be over on Twitch uh, afterwards. I'll be playing a little bit of 2K if you want to come hang out. This will be about 40 minutes. And, uh, and folks, if you are in the Northeast, if you're in the New York City area and can get to a live show on Sunday... I do want to share this. We do have some uh, tickets left for This Is Revolution. Give them argument left reckoning live from the cutting room. Uh, there it is, right near the Empire State Building. Um, also featuring Sam Cedar, Emma Vigland, Bhaskar Sankara, uh, and uh, some other guests. So uh, come to that if you can. And uh, also don't forget uh, patreon.com slash left reckoning. Um, enjoy this uh, interview with Robert and uh, I'll see you guys on Twitch in about uh, 45 minutes or so. Welcome back, Left Reckoners. I'm Matt Leckin for David Griscom, and joining me today is Robert Skvarla. Robert is the associate editor, let me pull up your uh, uh, titles here, at Diaboli Diabolique Magazine. Uh, he also has bylines in Cream Magazine, Covert Action Mag, and at Less Obscura. And he also uh, has the, his blog at Mondo Americana, where I would recommend, and I'll put in the... Uh, comments his uh, article on Alex Jones and the weirding of Bohemian Grove. Uh, <laughs> Robert, thanks so much for joining me today. And uh, just, uh, you know, introduce uh, uh, your, your own work uh, to our audience uh, 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 to make up for my deficiencies there. No, I mean, you did great. Um, those are my most notable bylines. The Cray Magazine article just came out last month. It's on the CIA's connection to um, Credence Clearwater Revival, or rather how they stole money from CCR wow. in the uh, 70s, which will tie into the subject we're talking about today. Um, but that's a lot of the stuff I'm into. Um, the polite way of saying it is parapolitics or deep politics. Mm -hmm. The impolite way of saying it is conspiracies, conspiracy theories, conspiracy research, community, all of that. So I get into a lot of the um, less reputable subjects that hover around the world of politics. Yes. And uh, these are also some of my favorite uh, subjects as well. And, and you know, I want to talk to you about this in light of this, uh, the select subcommittee on weaponization of the federal government, because I think the way that this discourse is going to play out is going to be culture ward and not super um, informative to mm -hmm. people. And we already have a guy, you know, James Risen, a guy who I came up with knowing as somebody who like, you know, was persecuted by the Obama Justice Department saying there's no such thing as the deep state. We sorted all that stuff out like 40 <laughs> years ago. Um, before we deal with the Ryzen's take there, let's go back to what he was talking about when we dealt with all this stuff. And, right. and what was actually what was the original church committee? Who was Frank Church? What was its legacy? Well, it's funny because if we wait a few months, uh, Ryzen has a book on Frank Church coming out in May. So if you want to learn more about that, I'm sure that should be interesting. But um, Frank Church was a senator from Idaho. 
He was elected to office in, I believe, 56 or 57. And he had been one of the more liberal senators um, in the in Congress at that time. He was a vocal opponent of the Vietnam War. He supported legislation like the Cooper Church Amendment and the Case Church Amendment to defund and get us out of Cambodia, Laos, and Vietnam. Um, in 73, he had chaired a subcommittee on the involvement of multinational corporations in international actions. Specifically, it was focusing on what was happening in Chile with um, the coup targeting Salvador Allende. So Church was someone who was probably perfectly suited to lead the Church Committee. Um, but what really brought all that together was a constellation of actions in the early 70s, going back to 71. Um, over the course of the 60s, the FBI had been involved in a program known as COINTELPRO, which is short for Counterintelligence Program. There were a bunch of them targeting different groups like the um, Communist Party of the USA, Socialist Workers Party, uh, Black Panthers, and other groups. But in 1971, a group of activists living um, around Philadelphia broke into an office in Media, Pennsylvania, and stole uh, a lot of files. They were known as the Citizens, um, Citizens Commission to investigate the FBI. And that sort of got the ball rolling. Journalists became more interested in this. And Seymour Hirsch, who had done a lot of investigative journalism on the subject of like the My Lai massacre. Um, he broke the story on the Pentagon's biochemical weapons testing program. In 74, he, uh, December of 74, he published portions of a series of reports known as Family Jewels, which the CIA had compiled over the course of 1973. And the uh, reports detailed all kinds of illegal, sometimes legal, but questionable actions that the CIA had been involved in from its existence, um, its creation in 19, I believe, 47, all the way up to that time period. So when that broke the following month in January of 1975, the Senate voted to bring together a committee to investigate all of these things that were happening with the CIA, the FBI, and other agencies like the NSA. Right. And so like the family jewels, um, Let's talk. Can you just go into the family jewels a little bit more about that? Because I mean, that's a big in Seymour Hirsch's um, uh, sort of. Like, was that his? Yeah, like you said, like the me lie stuff. All that stuff coming at the same time. Um, talk a little bit more about the family jewels. Yeah. So um, when CIA Director James Schlesinger, Schlesinger came in, he wanted to know what was going on in part because of accusations that the CIA may have been involved in Watergate. And for people who are involved in parapolitics or interested in it, many people do believe that, you know, um, Watergate was the second coup after the JFK assassination. I'm a little ambivalent on that reading, but um, because of accusations of potential involvement in the Watergate scandal, either helping Nixon or going against Nixon, uh, Schlesinger put together this report so that, or a series of reports so that he could know everything that was going on within the agency or had gone on. And in the course of that information leaked to Hirsch, who wrote about some of the more notorious actions, I believe the article in the New York Times came out December 22nd, 1974, or somewhere thereabout. And it was just covering all of the things that would eventually come up in the Church Commission, although not in nearly as much detail. Yeah. And, and the Church Commission, do you think that was, as far as like the government investigating itself, um, 
what do you think like the overall legacy of that is? Because I don't want to get too into the JFK stuff now, but I do know that Gaten Fonzi um, was uh, doing JFK assassination stuff. Uh, in I think that was re- related to the church committee stuff too. And yeah. that was not super satisfactory. So, but JFK stuff aside, like how do we judge the church commission? Well, so the committee is interesting in a number of ways. Like I said, church probably more than anybody, given his stances on Vietnam, given his involvement with the um, multinational subcommittee in 73, he was someone who was probably best suited to lead it. Mm -hmm. However, I don't believe he was the initial choice. There was um, another Senator Philip Hart from Michigan who was the initial choice, but at that time he was um, dealing with health health issues that would later be revealed to be cancer. And he unfortunately passed away shortly after the um, committee issued its final reports in 1976. But when you look at the factors that brought it together, one of the problems facing the church committee right from the get-go was that there were forces working against them from literally within the inside the Senate. Before it had even convened, Barry Goldwater was adamantly opposed. And it's funny because if you look at Goldwater's legacy, he's known as this principled libertarian today. And if you follow that train of thought based on where libertarians typically fall on the CIA, you would think that he'd be opposed to the CIA and mm-hmm. its many actions. But he was actually very protective of the um, agency over the course of the investigation. He was eventually named to be one of the 11 members of the committee, and he tried to stonewall right from the beginning. Um, one of the more notable reports that came out was the CIA's assassination report, um, basically detailing its involvement in attempts on the life of Fidel, Fidel Castro um, allegedly, it's involvement in the murder of Patrice Lumumba, although I believe the church committee ruled that they didn't actually do it. They only touched on a possible poisoning scheme. Uh, Raphael Truillo, um, Papa Doc Duvalier, and some other people. But um, Goldwater actively opposed it the entire time, tried to say that the CIA was not responsible because it was ultimately something that would fall on the president. So right from the beginning, um, And this is something that can come up with the JFK assassination stuff, if you want to talk about that. But Goldwater was trying to pass blame for many of these actions on to the Kennedys specifically. Um, He attacked what he called the imperial presidency, but his main target was the Kennedys. And this was something other members of the committee, specifically the Republican members, would latch on to. Unfortunately for him, it came out during the course, I believe, of the investigation or shortly after that Goldwater had lied about his knowledge of CIA covert actions and assassination schemes. He had said he had not been aware of any of this, but he had actually been briefed in 72 or 73. Mm. So probably someone within the agency was feeding him information and stonewalling him. But this also happened with William Colby, the CIA director at the beginning of the hearings. He stonewalled the agency. Um, Gerald Ford, the president, did everything he could to stop it. And there were... um, complementary committees that have been formed. Um, the Rockefeller Commission was brought together with then Vice President uh, Nelson Rockefeller. Um, and so with the Rockefeller Commission, um, they were going into a lot of the same stuff. And when they got into the assassinations, they realized this was something they didn't want to touch on. Mm-hmm. Um, so they tried to prevent handing over materials that they had received to the church committee. Um, and then there was the Pike Committee, which was in the House which was probably even more aggressive in some ways than the church committee. And there was some tension there between the two committees over who would get the information first, who would reveal things first, and how to go about things. The church committee was a more polite version of the investigation. 
they weren't trying to issue subpoenas. Um, one of the big things the Pike Committee had done is they'd issued subpoenas to then Secretary of State Henry Kissinger. Um, Frank Church did not want to do this because he knew it would not work, or at least in his opinion, it would not work. And he was someone who believed in getting wins. He didn't want to put losses out there publicly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I, I would you say like there were, so I think that like knowing about those assassination plots, for instance, like that is a, a win, even though like, I guess like we as a body politic haven't maybe internalized the lessons from what our government <laughs> was doing in especially the early Cold War. Yeah, the assassination report specifically was a big point of contention because even some of the Democratic members were a little sketchy about releasing it uh, for a number of reasons. First, Church was someone who was very big on transparency. Um, I believe in 1968, there was a special executive um, meeting for the Senate's Foreign Intelligence Committee on the subject of the Gulf of Tonkin, where it was revealed that obviously the Gulf of Tonkin didn't happen as it was said to have occurred. And there was a quote where he said something to the effect of, in a democracy, you cannot expect people um, to want to exercise judgment if the truth is concealed to them. So he was someone who always pushed for transparency and he was the driving force behind the assassination report. So the fact that it even got out there is kind of a shock given how much resistance was there from so many people. Mm-hmm. And in many ways it was because even some of the democratic senators were worried about how it might embarrass the united states so for example like the plots on fidel castro's life where we tried to blow up a cigar we tried to put phthalide salts in his boots to make his beard fall out all of this stuff came out and some of it looked silly so some of it would embarrass the united states in that way but in um, more serious ways we tried to kill active heads of state in Mm -hmm. peacetime so that would not reflect well on us either and and this is like this this whole stuff this is what frustrates me about this is because like it would embarrass us but really what those folks did in in hiding this is infantilize an entire nation of people because we all look back at this time and basically like like the conventional wisdom is oh we just outcompeted everyone with our great ideas <laughs> right and it's like i just think of like the kennedy assassination or or all these assassinations around the world like lumumba like my parents were like toddlers yeah. and you know, it's in and like the sort of it's one thing to find out about this stuff later. But when the conventional wisdom is sort of already started rolling on this, I, I don't know how you look at that sort of like um, difficulty with getting people to like understand actual history and our actual place in the world. Totally. And that's something Church himself would often point to. He was saying that these actions were making us less safe abroad because of the if we would get negative attention from an uh, ally country or an enemy country because of this, it's something that probably would have happened anyway, because at some point this would leak. That was one of the big things, I believe, with the release of the assassination report. One of the arguments that um, Church and one of the other um, high-ranking Democratic members on the committee, Walter Mondale, made was this information is going to get out there at some point. The Family Jewel stuff had already leaked um, to Hirsch by the end of 74. So this information will make it out there. We need to place it in a context where we can at least provide people an understanding of why it happened. Now, obviously that doesn't make it better. Mm-hmm. Um, we know that, for example, the attempts on Castro's life are in many ways absurd and in many ways uh, more troubling. But you know, the big point of what Church was pushing for was transparency so people can make up their mind. And in many ways, that's commend- commendable. Um, 
although I do believe in some ways it may have been a bit naive too. Yeah. I mean, I just, I just can't help think of like the, even when I was going to college communication studies, we talk about the Bay of Pigs and like the lesson is like, mm-hmm. make sure we don't have groupthink. And it's like, I don't know if that's the only thing that we need to know about, like what was going on with the Bay of Pigs. I, th- I think like more of like what the, the agitation by like leading military leaders and yeah. uh, the importance of diplomacy might be more important than like the importance of viewpoint diversity in a boardroom, for instance. Yeah. And I don't think that would have probably helped in a situation where, you know, Alan Dulles and other members of like the National Security Council and other people high ranking in the government at the Pentagon specifically, they were trying to push JFK to invade uh, Cuba. It wasn't like viewpoint diversity would have helped there. That's not something that, you know, they had an idea of what they wanted and they were going to try and get us to that point where we could declare uh, war on Cuba. Exactly. All right. So let's move forward uh, to uh, this uh, select subcommittee on the weaponization of the federal government. Um, I guess just give us your outline on this. I don't want to bias the question too much. Well, so, so far, there isn't really a whole lot to go on. I believe the only person who's been named officially is Jim Jordan, who was supposed to chair the uh, committee. And I believe it's not exactly Frank Church. Yeah. And it's being said, I believe, uh, what, Thomas Massey is, is is that his name? The other representative, yeah. uh, libertarian leaning Republican is probably going to end up on there. So those are the only two we can probably be certain of. Uh, the Democrats have said they will participate. You know, they're not going to do what the Republicans did with the January 6th committee. So it, it's going to be difficult to see how it goes, because to even call us a church committee is dishonest in the sense that it's happening in a different body of Congress. Mm. This would be more akin to the Pike Committee, which happened in the House. But like the idea of the weaponization of government is a little strange given the people who are going to be running this, because one of the things that you get into with parapolitics is discussion of something known as the deep state. Now, you can view this in a number of different ways. It's many people call it a right-wing conspiracy theory. Ryzen called that a conspiracy theory when he talked about the church committee in that tweet. Um, I take a different perspective on that because it's a term that predates um, Trump's appropriation of it. It goes back to, I believe, people like Peter Dale Scott and other writers who've mentioned it. And there's applications and things like Turkish government where it's been used in many ways. Even American writers were talking about, you know, shadow governments as far back as the 80s. Mm-hmm. So when you're discussing something like the deep state, there is this distinction between um, the government as we see it publicly and those institutions that exist beneath the surface, which exist to perpetuate themselves. Institutions like the CIA, FBI, um, now DHS, which exists today, but didn't in the 70s. So these have always been political institutions in the sense that they've had explicitly political um, targets. The FBI formed in, I think, officially 1908. And within a decade, it was targeting exclusively communists and anarchists. And then over the course of the 30s, 40s, 50s, and 60s, it became a red hunting institution almost exclusively. Um, Famously, J. Edgar Hoover denied the existence of La Cosa Nostra, the mafia, for years um, because he was worried about the threat of communism. Um, other House and Senate institutions like the um, House on american Activities Committee, which this is probably going to more closely resemble, um, had an mm. explicitly political slant to it, where it was focused initially on finding un-American activities. So it focused on some right-wing groups like the KKK, but eventually it became exclusively a communist hunting institution. 
So what I'm seeing here with Jordan, Massey, and the people who will probably end up on there is it will probably be more something akin to HUAC. Interesting. Yeah, that's not, uh, I mean, HUAC, for folks who don't know, like that's, you know, McCarthyism, um, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, so one of the things about that, which is interesting, is that it formed, um, was formed by a Southern Democrat, Martin Deese. Um, it was initially the Deese Committee, I believe, in 38, and it investigated some right wing stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I believe like the American Legion's involvement in the business plot and certain things were looked into, mm -hmm. but it wasn't something that it was never going to focus on the right wing forces that existed in the country at that time. And Deese and others eventually moved right to attack the New Deal. And it specifically became a vehicle to attack the Works Progress Administration and other New Deal projects, which helped obviously perpetuate McCarthyism and many of the other things that were happening at the time. So what we're seeing with this new House subcommittee that they're going to be forming, I suspect it will be something similar where it's communist infiltration of Twitter and Facebook and social media agencies or organizations. Yeah. And unfortunately, I doubt it will be like sort of Saudi or Israeli <laughs> infiltration of that. It will be a you know, right. Chinese party. <laughs> well, um, it's going to be, yeah, it's going to focus. I mean, so one of the things that you see between the two political parties today is do you want to fight Russia or do you want to fight China? Yeah. And on the right specifically, they're worried about infiltration of China of all sorts of different institutions. And social media appears to be one where they think the Chinese or the communists, they conflate the two, um, have taken over everything. So that's something that will probably come up depending on who's on the committee. Yeah. Um, so let's move to like a best of a world situation where it's not uh, Jim Jordan. Or Jim Jordan is your mind control asset and you're able to control his every move on that committee. What do you think we actually should, uh, a, a church committee uh, would look into uh, after all these years? I mean, because we know, like, I mean, just to go in the decade after, like the Rand Contra, like this, this sort of stuff didn't stop happening. Um, I'm curious what you would, uh, what your um, points of emphasis would be. Well, so one of the big things to talk about with that is what we learned with the church committee. And there was lots of stuff that came out. Notably, um, like I think a lot of people, when they think of the church committee, they think of church holding up the heart attack gun, the shellfish tox toxin. So that was one of the more like lurid details, but there was lots of stuff that came out about COINTELPRO and specifically the NSA and its involvement with um, private companies. Uh, one of the things that came up were two sister programs, um, Project Shamrock and Project Minaret, and they involved the use of telecommunications companies, RCA, Global, and ITT, to um, spy on Americans who were communicating with individuals abroad. That information was taken as part of Project Shamrock, and then under Project Minaret, it was shared with the FBI and other organizations so that those organizations, uh, those agencies could spy on Americans. And ironically, Frank Church was one of the people who ended up getting caught under uh, Minaret. He, he was surveilled. So as like a complement to that today, there are things you could look into, um, specifically what's known as the third party doctrine, where in the United States, if you um, agree to share your information with a private company, they are allowed to do almost whatever they want with it based on their terms of service. So um, when you agree, when you click on, when you click yes on the TOS on an app, a dating app, anything. Um, they can sell your data. And people understand this, but I don't think they fully comprehend the scope of what happens with this. So for example, uh, in 2016, during the Ferguson protests, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a company, Geophedia, who was getting this information, purchasing it from um, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram. And they were getting special access to this, which they were then providing to law enforcement agencies so that they could provide geolocation data on protesters. Um, the Pentagon military has worked with companies, uh, I believe it was first known as X-Mode and now is known as Outvoice. They had a constellation of apps that they created, one of which was a Muslim dating app, and they would sell that information to the military. Uh, so you, you see all of this happening where this is almost identical in a way to what was happening with um, Shamrock and Minaret, although mm. it's not necessarily abroad. But even with that, um, within the last year, Senator Ron Wyden released information on the CIA um, collecting bulk data of Americans as part of, there isn't an official name for it, but the CIA has been doing it for at least a decade where they just collect all kinds of like large stores of data and they don't sort it. So Americans get caught up in that. Um, DHS, everything that they did in the 2020 George Floyd protests is comparable, if not worse than COINTELPRO. They were literally kidnapping protesters in unmarked vans. Uh, There was the Antifa guy who just got gunned down one one day after he allegedly shot someone. So there's all kinds of crazy shit that's happening in the government that you could look into. Mm -hmm. But what we're going to hear about is, you know, Matt Taby's Twitter files. We're going to hear these stories about stuff that we already knew had happened. We knew that the government had access to geolocation data because people had reported on it or the ACLU had released a report on it. So we're going to hear a very skewed version about Republicans being targeted for cracking jokes on Twitter. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that, first of all, going back to Wyden, Wyden's always interested me because his dad, I know, wrote a book on the Bay of Pigs back in uh, the day. I'm just curious what your take on Wyden is on these issues. I actually like him. I mean, Mm -hmm. he's one of the last of that, like old style Democrat, specifically from like the 70s. They all sort of seem to disappear around 1980. And there's probably a reason for that, especially with church specifically. But um, he cares about surveillance. He cares about civil liberties. He cares about all the things Democrats sort of pay lip service to now, but don't do anything about. So he's been a vehicle in many ways for getting information out there. He was the one who released the information on the CIA bulk data collection program earlier this year or last year. So Wyden is someone who, you know, if you're going to do a Senate committee, like a new church committee, it would have to be Wyden who would lead it because he's the only person I could trust. Yeah. And, you know, the other thing um, you mentioned ITT and it's it's, one thing that always frustrates me with the, the sort of right uh, theory of deep state is it completely leaves out corporate America. Yeah. And it's all just like these these uh, government bureaucracies. But of, I mean, you look at ITT, I mean, right there, that's a that's a like a sort of privatized um, part of the deep state that is working hand in hand with the American government. Yeah, they were heavily involved in the Watergate scandal, like the Dita Beard memo that came out revealing the connection to ITT. Um, they were involved in the uh, the coup against Allende. Mm-hmm. They've had many crazy connections to intelligence agencies historically. So you're absolutely right when you say private corporations function in a way where they function as an arm of the government. And one of the things that I'm curious to see is which members of uh, the Republican House make it into this committee, um, specifically people like Matt Gates and Chip Roy, who have strong ties to defense contractors. You know, they mm-hmm. receive donations or Gates is married to uh, Palmer Lucky's sister, Ginger, and he runs a defense firm um, that has contracts um, securing the southern border right now. So 
it will be interesting to see like which people with connections to that component of the deep state end up on this committee. Yeah. Fascinating. Well, in our remaining time, I want to move uh, and uh, bounce some JFK stuff off to you. Um, <laughs> folks who uh, folks who've listened know, um, uh, you know, I was actually thinking about doing a JFK uh, podcast like five or some years ago. And I decided putting myself in that mind space every single week probably wasn't the best, uh, 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 you know, for my mental health. But um, I'm it's a subject that I've, I'm very fascinated in. I'm just curious what your personal history is with assassination stuff. Cause the thing about being on the left with assassinate Kennedy assassination stuff is you have leftists who think you're apologizing for the Democrats and uh, cold war hawk. And it's true that Kennedy was a cold war hawk. And then on, uh, and then you have people who just um, uh, uh, think that there's no way that um, this would happen. So I'm just curious uh, your history with JFK assassination stuff. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's something I've been around my entire life. I'm in my late thirties. So I saw JFK not, when it came out, but when I was growing up, um, I was a big fan of the X-Files. So mm-hmm. this stuff was always on the periphery for me, but it wasn't until my late 20s that I started to become really interested in it when I became interested in many of these other subjects. And my personal opinion is the CIA did it. Um, I don't know if the mafia was involved. I think there was probably something there, maybe um, Cubans, Bay of Pigs. I don't know specifically who did it, but I believe that there's enough circumstantial evidence, you know, a preponderance of evidence to reasonably come to that conclusion. Mm-hmm. Like when you say people on the left think you're excusing JFK, one of the problems, and this is something you see a lot on the left is, I hate to use the phrase purity politics, but if people don't have, you know, exactly the right type of anti, anti-imperialist anti politics right from the get-go, they're mm-hmm. automatically sus or they're automatically, you know, they're not a valid member of the movement. Um, And I I think if you look at JFK over the term of his presidency, there was an evolution. Uh, There's reason to believe he was actually looking to de-escalate the Vietnam conflict. I forget the name of the um, order that he put out, but it was looking to have uh, troop withdrawal over the next, Mm -hmm. I believe, year and a half to two years. Um, By the end of 64, 65, he had set up a back channel of communication with Fidel Castro. They were trying to set up talks, and literally the day he was assassinated, Castro, who was speaking with a Kennedy representative, said to the man, they're going to blame me for it. And they did. They tried to. Um, Yeah, just jump in there. Um, Castro's reaction is, I think, when I was first like sort of buying into some of these theories was the most revealing. Um, you know, the, uh, I think un mala noticia, I think he called it um, yeah. when it finally found out that Kennedy first, he thought like, it'll be good if he survives because he'll win reelection. And then he said that he lost. It'd be bad news. And I think that is from a guy who I think the Kennedys are complicit in, you know, at least allowing uh, covert uh, plots against him because, you know, RFK was uh, part yeah. of justice. Like, like that stuff is true enough. But I mean, take it from Castro himself. No, totally. And that's the thing. Like the Kennedys did bad things. You don't have to pretend they didn't. They were uh, Kennedy was a, a, what, a senator before he became uh, president and he was a president. He was a cold warrior. Yep. And as he got in, I, I think he just realized the scope of what was happening. I mean, he worked through intermediaries to deescalate the Cuban Missile Crisis. He had people like Curtis LeMay and the National Security Council telling him to bomb um, Cuba. Mm-hmm. You know, um, the CIA tried to get him to invade Cuba with the Bay of Pigs. And I think over time, he realized the scope of what was happening and the potential for human error, where maybe a nuclear weapon could come into play. And that probably scared him. 
And true to what Castro was saying, the CIA did try to frame him. There was a man named Gilberto Alvarado, who shortly after the assassination came out and said he saw um, Oswald in Mexico City get like, I think like 65 or $7,500 from a Soviet agent. And even after this had been debunked by the FBI, they continued trying to push it. Um, I think it was John McCone who tried to release this to Drew Pearson, the journalist. Pearson obviously figured something was off and didn't print it. So there's a lot that goes around in different aspects of the JFK assassination where there's enough credible circumstantial evidence for a person to reasonably believe our government was involved. Yeah. And I just think it's it's one thing that's fascinating to me is how this is like when I first got into it like 10 years ago, it was sort of like, it seemed like a sort of niche interest, but like, yeah, you realize it's just kind of like the, it's the adult way to look at what happened. And <laughs> especially with just like what's being revealed. And it's also interesting how it's slowly permeating culture. Cause you mentioned the X-Files. I recently went back and watched that X-Files they get a lot of like they obviously put their own sort of editorial or narrative arc on it and who the mm-hmm. cast of characters is but like some of the stuff that they're talking about is very relevant to our actual understanding of what's been revealed about i mean just from what we know about the cia with regards to COINTELPRO, like you say or operation northwoods was it lemay mm-hmm. or lemnitz or one of those guys wanted us to stage uh domestic terror attacks uh, yeah. as a pretext for war in cuba and it's just like that stuff happened and and it's like there's there's this i think uh i don't think like nbc news for instance is letting their uh has let their audience uh come to like process it as well as they need to and it's this weird thing where like you it's almost like they thought they could gaslight people for a long time and there's all this great history of like the people who've been on this jfk stuff from like the 70s and whatever Mm -hmm. doing this like grassroots history and they've won i feel like and so now you have this thing where tucker carlson has to be like oh yeah it's all what's this and it's this is actually probably against us somehow and i I don't know how you feel like how it's playing out yeah, uh, I mean, the Carlson stuff is interesting because he was a big booster of the CIA for years. He wrote a hit piece on um, Gary Webb in like 95 or 96 for uh, the Weekly Standard, a conservative rag, uh, basically accusing, I, I forget the specifics of it, bas- basically accusing Webb of either fabricating evidence or misrepresenting things. Mm-hmm. And this was actually common. I mean, the New York Times and the Washington Post, they all did this to Webb, but uh, they haven't come around you know, decades later to say, the CIA assassinated JFK. Um, he was also someone who claims that he was a bagman for the Contras. You know, he says he went down there um, on a college break or something like that and passed money along. So there's an implication there that even if he wasn't CIA, he was working for like um, the National Endowment for Democracy or some organization that may have been trying to help fund them covertly. So the idea that someone like this, um, someone who believes we should go to war with China, believes that the CIA assassinated Kennedy. I don't think he sincerely believes that. I think it's something that's useful for him as a new yeah. prong in the culture wars. And this is why I want to talk about this a little bit more, because I do see, we, especially on majority part, we do get a little bit more of the institutionalist, uh, I don't want to say naive, but that's what I think, um, <laughs> uh, uh, takes on some of this stuff. And um, it would be a, 
real shame if you had the only people sort of elaborating JFK and the CIA like cover up would be like Marjorie Taylor Greene and fucking. Hey, Matt, are you there? It looks like you froze. Oh, sorry. Yeah, uh, I'm here now. Um, I was just saying. Um, can you can you see me now, Robert? Yeah, yeah. You just froze there for a second, so I couldn't hear you. Cool. Yeah, I was just saying you know, it'd be a big shame if you know as this stuff continues to be revealed along lines that I think are predictable. Like, there's all this bullshit about like, did, was it an accident by the Secret Service guy, or whatever. The the Kennedy stuff that's interesting to me is like. Oswald was at Atsugi Air Base and he like, right. did all this like, extremely like spooky stuff. Um, as that's being sort of documented, the only people talking about it are Tucker and Marjorie Taylor Greene. Unfortunately, yeah. And I mean, so when you get into Oswald, there's lots of strange things. There's a great uh, writer. He used to write it in the Washington Post. So if you need like some legitimate credential there, um, his name is Jefferson Morley and he runs uh, Substack, JFK Facts. I think he wrote for Kennedy and uh, Kings and uh, Kennedy's and King and a number of other sites related to the JFK assassination. But he's been looking into um, CIA operations and spell and dream spell with uh, CIA officer George Janitis. And the implication there is that Oswald may have been used as some kind of asset in New Orleans with the Fair Play for Cuba committee. Because when Oswald went there, he just set up a chapter of that committee against the wishes of the main organization. Mm -hmm. He staged fights with, you know, members of uh, the AMSPEL program to publicly let it be known he was in support of Castro. So there's lots of there that you can like cling to and find new information and people are still finding new information on it. So this idea that someone like Tucker would come in and just suddenly say, yeah, they did it. And this guy I know off the record from the CIA said they did it. It just, I don't know. It doesn't work for me because there's people who actually have put in the work and are doing the research, finding things, going through archives. And here's this idiot who for decades supported the CIA suddenly saying the CIA did it. I can't mm. trust him in any meaningful way. Yeah. I'd just say I, I when I went to New Orleans, I did make a point of going to, to 544 Camp Street. <laughs> um, th- that stuff is so wild. Like that, that like what Oswald's doing in New Orleans, literally there's a 40 minute, radio interview that you can watch on youtube of him being like yeah i'm a marxist leninist and uh, yeah. yours, uh everyone if I'm, I'm the most famous marxist leninist in bourbon street <laughs> yeah it just doesn't make sense like this guy who ex you know uh marine right it was marine corps mm-hmm. that he was in yep. he was stationed at uh atsugi he then goes to the soviet union he defects is allowed to come back to the United States without any repercussions. I think the State Department even gave him money. He mm-hmm. then hangs out with right-wing anti-communist Russians. That no moves, George Bush. Yeah, that, no, Bush. <laughs> that have all kinds of strange intelligence connections. He then moves to New Orleans and publicly like puts himself as the public face of Marxism. It yeah. doesn't make sense. you know. No. If anyone else did this, it would be like, this guy is clearly being used as some kind of asset or something, you know? Absolutely. Well, uh, Robert Skvarla, uh, thanks so much. Uh, we we got to have you back uh, talk about Alex Jones and some other <laughs> parapolitics stuff. Sure. Um, uh, it's been great talking to you. Uh, and uh, give give your plugs one more time for folks. Sure. So I have a new article in Cream Magazine. You can get it from their site. I think it's creammag.com. Uh, I've written for a bunch of other sites, but mostly I'm on Twitter. So if you want to follow me, a lot of what I post is there. Um, that's at Robert Skvarla. And I'll let you figure out how to spell that. Thanks, Robert. Thanks, Matt.